It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. Yes, I'm your host, Jonathan Sanborn. You know, this show, I just, things are happening. I get the fortunate opportunity to meet some of the coolest people around Arizona and even even get some super cool people calling in from around the country. And uh, it's because we're I'm searching for the peacemakers, the bridge builders, those who are helping us grow in compassion and peace and really making uh, helping us live the culture that Christ wanted us to live, uh, which really is so much like in a divided world. And boy, I used to t- I've, I've said divided world for a year, but it feels like we're as divided as ever. And more than ever, we need people to step in uh, to and and bring opposing sides together to listen to one another, to hear from each other, and help us make this world a better place uh, and more loving place. And so that's why we're here. And, and in studio today, I have Mrs. Ms. Darcy Olson. Thank you, Darcy, for joining us. Good morning. Glad to be here. Oh, it's so glad you're here. Really appreciate you coming in, Darcy is the founder and CEO of Gen Justice. Am I saying that right? That's right. Gen Justice, not Generation Justice? Well, the long is Generation Justice okay. because it's about justice for the young generation. Young generation. But it's catchy, Gen Justice. Very, did you have a millennial write your prop, your material? <laughs> I could not have written that one. Definitely not a millennial. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Gen Justice seeks to reform the broken child welfare system. Very ambitious and amazing goals, and they're seeing great things happen. Darcy has testified before Congress, lectured on children's interests at Harvard Law School, written for outlets from the Wall Street Journal to USA Today, and appeared on countless public affairs shows, and including counterculture. So add that to your list, Harvard. Huh. Counterculture, Harvard, Wall Street Journal. You know, we were right in there. We're right in there. So prior to founding Gen Justice, Darcy served as CEO of the Goldwater Institute, and among her achievements was spearheading the Right to Try movement, which started in Arizona and now gives all Americans with terminal illness a fighting chance to have a longer life. Um, so Darcy's a single mom adopted and has adopted her four, has four children from foster care, and the ages are how old? Three, seven, eight, and nine. Three, seven, eight, and nine. <laughs> My goodness, that alone would be a story itself. Would be, and we maybe we want, we want to hear about that before we kind of get into this whole background. We like to do something to kind of connect because right now, oh, you're just this big deal. You run an organization. You spoke at Kong Club, all this great stuff. But we like to find out a little more about you. And so we do this thing called fake news, where you say something true and not true about yourself, and I try to guess which one is not true. It's kind of like two truths and a lie, but just one truth, one lie, and I try to guess. Okay, so I was born in Vermont. You were born in Vermont. I went out on a date with Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller in Vermont, or is that a separate? This is a separate fact. I can't saying. give you all. I can't okay. give you all the facts. Okay, I can't. I can't that's your second <laughs> truth Miller. or okay. lie. And the third one. Oh, that's all I need. 
Oh, oh I mean. thought you wanted three. Okay, go for three. Sure. Okay, the third one is I fostered 10 children okay. by myself. Okay. So this one, you just made it easy because I'm, I'm a master genius, but but I've also, God's been radically humbling me in this process because I fail so often at this. So, so I'm, I'm about a 50% guess, maybe 60% success rate. So I'm thinking, I think you told me. You've you've fostered ten kids, so that's true. That is true. So Dennis Miller. Now that is an interesting fact. That's the the which, and I'm gonna and Vermont. I think you might have been like in New Hampshire, and you just threw me off with a little close detail. So I'm gonna say that the Vermont is fake news. No. Oh. <laughs> so I was actually born in Vermont. Okay. I lived in a tiny town in upstate New York, but the closest hospital was in Vermont. Oh, okay. And I am a huge fan of Dennis Miller okay. from back in the day, and I have been on his sh- you know, You've his been on show his show and stuff like that. Okay. And so, uh, but no, but you never dated. No, him. No, we didn't. No, okay. No. That-, <laughs> that is, but it was so random. <laughs> It, like it's had to, I thought it had to be true. So, see, once again, God is using you to humble me, to cut down my horrible arrogance. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm not that arrogant. I guess. No, maybe I am. Maybe not. I don't know. So, this is. Thank you. For, that is great news. So, Vermont local. Okay. How did you get started with Gen Justice? Well, I was called, um, called. to do to do the work. I think that's okay. the only way that I, that I could start that if I did just yeah. no, two words. I love that word. Tell me, what does that mean? Well, about 10 years ago, I felt inspired to become a foster parent. And I so was- So you're a professional career person at 10 years ago. Right. I'm in the middle of this career. I'm traveling to Washington, D.C. and New York City. And I'm, yeah. I'm going all over the country and I'm giving speeches and I'm fighting- the good fight for sure. you know educational freedom and for free speech and for the right to try to save your life with um, investigational drugs, and I literally was praying and felt pressed to become mm. a foster parent. So I thought, being single, I said, "Oh well, this is this is great. I will take in some teenagers who go to school and right. and I can do this." And I'm right. so thrilled to to become a mother in this way. And long story short, I went in for my first orientation and found out that my place was not regula- regulation for teenagers. It's a, it's a long story. Okay. But they said, but hey, we <laughs> what have- What does that even mean, by but the way? But hey, well, I didn't have the right kind of closet. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, okay. But, wow. but again, you know, this is how <laughs> I feel God can use anything. They just put their clothes on the floor. Trust me. For <laughs> That's a good point, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What, no, is the, what do they need a closet for? So, but they said, but hey, we are in a, the middle of a drug crisis and we have drug exposed babies who are staying overnight in government office buildings yes. and shelters. And yeah. we would be so thankful if you could open a crib. Yeah. And of course I said, well, don't you have any two parent families? Because I'm by myself and I'm working and... And they said, we have kids in shelters, and we really need you to do this. And I yeah. said, all right, then all right. the world's going to change, yes. and that was it. And, and uh-huh. I went and ordered a crib, and, and that was the beginning. That's a lot. Uh, so the very beginnings of Gen Justice for mm-hmm. what I would then go on to see as I fostered these children and what I could not unsee. And mm. I think when you have the ability to act, to be the hands and feet in a particular arena, 
um, I, f- I felt compelled to do it. Mm-hmm. And th- there wasn't anybody in this this space that we're in in terms of reform. And I knew it needed to be done. And mm-hmm. that was three years ago. Wow. I think that's fantastic. I love hearing that. That really I, – I, I keep thinking about the call of Isaiah. Who Who is willing – to come. It, it wasn't actually said, Isaiah, I want you to come do this. It's like, who is willing? And you're basically just saying, here I am, Lord, send me. And that, and that sending is to children right here. And I would say, you see me tearing up because I'm so fond of that scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and I think all of us in this world, if for the foster parents out there, the parents, the people, the brothers and sisters, the husbands and wives, I think the feeling when we enter something that is as sort of overwhelming as as some of this work is we feel inadequate right and i would just like to say that um you know we're all the same we're all the same and it's it's um i'm no better of a mother than anybody else um i just felt called i work really hard at it and that's what it takes that's what these kids need and so you know, when the first baby, no one ever came for her and uh, no relatives, n- just nobody. And she went up for adoption. And so, of course, I yeah. I didn't know half of the children go up for adoption. But, of course, I adopted yeah. her because I was her mother. And I really uh, – it blew open my own stereotypes about what I thought was ideal or mm-hmm. needed and really opened me up to – to feeling the spirit and trusting that guidance, I would never have gone out as a single woman and said, "Hey, I'm going to raise a bunch of kids right. by no. myself." Sure, sure. Okay, it's right. hard, and oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I still hope someday that my kids will have a, a, a father in the home. And right. although, you know, shout out to my brother-in-law because he's right there yes. <laughs> every step of the way helping. Yeah. But, um, you know, these children need love and they need families, and are they're not looking for perfect mm. and. God isn't asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to try and to give that love. And so yeah. if you do feel that call, you know, I did say send me. I mm-hmm. And I went. And I'm so, so thankful that yeah. um, I didn't let my own personal feelings of inadequacy or not meeting the perfect standard uh, keep me from helping these kids. That's huge because uh, you just spoke to a huge uh, roadblock that people have in their brains is that they need help either their, their, their perfection or the, the seemingly ideal that should be there, but we don't, that's not the way the world works. That's not the way even God works. He, he asks for us to be available, not perfect, right? Yes. I mean, I think if you yeah. talk to the 10 couples who you know are – who look to you like the best couples with the best families right. and you thought these people would be perfect to foster or take in a child who really needs a, a loving home, right. I bet – Every single one of them would tell you their list of inadequacies right up front. Well, right. we, you know, we argue too much. I'm not home enough. You know, the um, we don't have the right amount of space. Right. You, you know, I can't make good school lunches. Whatever right. the list right. is. Oh, sure. And the truth is that we all have things we'd like to do better. But you're talking. You know, these are the children of often uh, of drug abuse. They're born meth addicted. They're born. Mm. Two of the children I've fostered were the the, the infants of prostitutes. Um, yeah. They come from very tough backgrounds. A lot of times the, the time that they spent in the womb was inadequate. No doctor's visits. You know, they come out, they're, they're weeks, sometimes months in the NICU. And the if you can open your arms and you can love and you can feed, 
um, and you have an extended family neighbors right. network, you can do this work. And there are all kinds of estimates about if, you know, just even one out of 10 churches, a couple would open up their homes. We'd get Empty all the of these kids yep. where they need to be. Yeah. So if if people take one thing away from this is I would like if you've been feeling this on your heart, please, yeah. please let this just kind of tip you over to the edge, go in for the informational session, talk to your spouse, talk to your family if you're by yourself, and see if if this is a place where you are needed. And that's a great, is to ask that, are we willing to ask that question? And wherever, and letting God answer that is is like, Lord, am I willing to do this? It's a really fair question. And it's it's a faith journey. It might be no, there are other God can call you to different things, but it's something that we need to ask, especially given the overwhelming desire of God to place children in families, the heart of God and his even true religion, as we talk so often about in James one twenty seven. We see that mandate so often uh, that this is something we have to say, am I willing? Am I willing to, to open up my heart and life? And so – there's a lot of fear, too. I think sometimes I, I've heard people say, I'm afraid that I'll fall in love with the children. Yes. I'm afraid I won't love the children. Right. Well, I, I, you know what? Both of those things happen. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've, I, I, I've taken in um, children that were really tough to right. enjoy. Right. And I have taken in and fallen in love yeah. and seen those kids go on yeah. um, to other places and not always good ones. Right. And But the thing is, we are adults. Right. We have support networks. We have faith. We have prayer. We have friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We will recover from some right. pain. And these children need us. And so each time I fostered, I always thought about that. You know, you get these worries and then you think... You know, if the basket with the child or the baby, in my case, it was mostly infants, but, you know, we're, we're on the doorstep, would I, would I open the door and would I take that child? Right. And of course, they, the answer is, is almost invariably yes. Right. But they're not on baskets. They're in, they're in a previous center hidden from our view. Well, they're, it's almost worse an, than a yeah, basket it's because worse. it's a government office building. So. Yeah. And I've, I've <laughs> walked in those. I know yeah, they're, it's a cubicle you wouldn't even want to be in, you know, that – and here's a child with a little cot in a bed in there, right? That's right. That's right. right. And, and it's one thing people don't know about the system is that most of the kids going into foster care are under five, and most of those are under one. So there is a need for people to take in the infants. Okay. You know, I think in the mainstream, we often hear there, that there are more right. people who want babies than there are babies for it. Well, if you're willing to take a baby who might not be in the greatest health at first or right. you don't know their genetic background or they don't look like whatever it is. Right. Oh, there are plenty. Um, sure. And it, it, it's heartbreaking. Uh, there are teenagers too. And for those who have, if you're an empty nester and you're just feeling like you want to fill up your house, but you can't imagine diapers again, go get a 16 or 17 year old mm-hmm. who will benefit from the years yes. you already spent parenting the right. things you know and learn the hard way it's just a year or two but it could make all Huge. the difference in their lives and even after 18 like where would they go for christmas where would they go for advice when the, you know or anything or you know someone to co-sign something i, I don't know whatever anything. it could be anything anything, anything i'll tell basically. you a story about I, I'll, i'm going to give you the name that he gave himself after he was adopted he he gave himself the name of Moses. Yes. 
And I love that. And he and he chose it for all of the right reasons, including yes. Moses's story of, right. of being in the in the River Nile. But he was in care from age three to seventeen, mm-hmm. and a volunteer in in one aspect or another of his case ended up adopting him right before his eighteenth birthday. Mm. And this, you know, what happens when you spend your life in care is you. Not only the emotional trauma of that, of why hasn't anyone ever loved me enough to be my mom or dad, right. but you haven't been able to, you know, 47 different homes. I mean, talk wow. about not being able to finish the school year. Right. So this kid had never been to a restaurant, didn't know how to read a menu, didn't know how to open a checking account. What's the difference between a checking and savings account? Right. No driver's license, no, no cell mm. phone, no ability to get a driver's test or anyone to ever have gone in the car with him. Right. Let me tell you, the just the basic life skills that you have as a human being are valuable right. to these children who have right. been lost in the right. system. I think we tr- we maybe we think it should be like this Hallmark movie type situation where it all turns out certain, but you can offer so much even in that context of stability and yes. life support. And, and can so, I just I just want to say one thing about sure. this kid? I've never seen a kid come so damaged and broken and hurt and he has gone on to serve in the army mm. for this country he is so dedicated yeah and he has so much camaraderie there and we are so proud and i just want to say that's that that speaks to his strength of spirit mm. but also someone was willing to step in and went yeah. through some rough times it was not sure. easy those those couple of years i mean that's sure. a that's a rough thing but it can be done and i just i love that story because we never want people to give up hope whether whether they're 18 when they get it together or 30 just right. just you, we cannot give up on on the abandoned and the and the right. orphaned I love that. If you're just tuning in, this is Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. We have Darcy Olson here in studio and just love this conversation. I love I love what we're talking about. So we've talked a lot about our individual like perspective and our response and what we should consider because this is really ultimately a personal issue and it's a faith issue between us and that we have to wrestle with. But we also talk about systemic issues. And your gen justice exists to a, a change a system. And so – so first off, I think, I, what do you mean when you think of changing? The, what's some issues that come to mind when you think of changing the system? Look, the whole foster care system is basically a system of laws, right? It's rules written on paper. What right. happens to a kid who is a ba- you know what a baby is abandoned in a hospital, and then what? What right. do we do? Do we try to find the parents? How long do we give the parents? Right. If the parent is meth addicted. Are, you know, is it safe to send that baby back? Right. So all of this right. is defined in the law right. and in policies. And so what I saw is, you know, there's a there's a you we hear all the time about the shortage of foster families and we need more families and we need more families. Right. And we do. But that's a Band-Aid. Why are so many kids in the system for so long? Why right. when the law says they should have either be returned home or have a right. permanent family within a year or 15 months, why are they in there right. like Moses was? Like teenagers need a closet. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> like, you know, so what is happening in the yeah. system? So I'll give you one really easy thing to remember. In our country, if you are the criminally accused, you have a constitutional right to an attorney, right? Mm-hmm. Because in the courtroom, how are you going to defend yourself? Right. Your liberty is on the line. Okay. 
when these little abused kids go into the system, and we're talking severe abuse, not right. not barefoot, not poverty. Right. They've kind of they've kind right. of right. fixed most of that. Most of the kids in the system now they're in there because they really, really needed a safe place to right. go. They go in the system. And they do not have an attorney to safeguard their rights, to guide them through the system, to make sure that the government follows the laws, uh, to make sure people get it right. And consequently, Jonathan, Mm -hmm. half of the children who die of abuse in this country, who are killed every year, are known to the authorities who have failed to keep them safe. That is shocking. They are known and we are failing they are known wow. and we are failing. Mm-hmm. And so we are in the trenches. We have a law clinic, so we help kids every single day. You know, we're throwing the life preservers in the water, right. so we're helping them in their court cases. But we're also changing the laws. So it, these can be state or federal policies. We have laws um, that are moving through the legislature right now to give these kids the right to an attorney to enforce their laws and to keep them safe until they have a family, for yes. heaven's sake. And when you talked at the beginning about peacemakers and wanting people to come together, first of all, I thought that – talk about humbling. I hope I can in some way live up to that and certainly hope mm-hmm. to. But so far, all of the reforms we've passed have been bipartisan. Mm-hmm. They are consensus reforms, and it's because – Everybody agrees that kids need families. No one wants to see these kids lingering. And so we just have to come up with the reforms that can move them a little faster and keep them safer. And so that's really what we're doing. Mm, That's huge. And I I think that I'm learning a lot about the legal system. I mean, I know there's a lot of – like we have a a whole Department of Child Safety and there's a lot of different groups that rally around children. There's court-appointed special advocates. You think of that there's a lot of resources, but actually in court – there really is no direct legal representation? It, well, so a few states, they do have child attorneys, but yeah. not many. Okay. In the, in the states where they do, the research shows that those kids will get families either reunified, right. either at home safely or with a relative or a new family, like in right. the case like my adopted kids, three times faster right. than kids without representation. And it's not just it's not just getting to family. So... Jonathan, I just issued a report, and it's it's on our website at genjustice.org, and it's called Disappearing and Dying. And my colleague, Rebecca Masterson, and I tell some of the stories of the 20,000 kids a year who go missing yeah. from the foster care system. Just, These kids wow. go missing, mm-hmm. and there are Almost no searches for them. Their mm. pictures of the, many of these children are non-existent. And it was only about five years ago where the law even required their names be reported to a central um, uh, uh, legal database right. so that, you know, wow. these kids are being trafficked, crossing state lines. Well, you know, the police couldn't help. Yes. Without pictures and without being notified, how are they going to find these kids? Right. So. One consequence is that the vast majority of kids in our country who are trafficked are from foster care. Foster care care system, yes. These are the kids. These are the disappeared. Mm -hmm. These are the trafficked. Mm -hmm. So if if you have been horrified by these stories of sex trafficking and these pedophile rings that are online, then you care about kids in foster care. Right. Um, You know, if someone tries to take my kid, Jonathan – we're going to have a search like they had for Elizabeth Smart, right? right the entire right. city of Phoenix is going to look. There's sure, going to be an Amber sure. Alert. These kids don't, by definition, don't have parents to 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 be their advocates. Right, right. And not only that, but 
when they go missing, a lot of times the the agencies write it off as runaways. They'll say, well, this kid just ran away. Right. Well, if the child was lured, sometimes they're lured because someone says, hey, I can keep you safe or I'll be your boyfriend or something sure. like that. Well, the same thing happens in the private sector and we call it a kidnapping, even if the kid left willingly. Right. And we're, because they don't know the dangers, right? Right. So we call that, if that were one of my, if my kid were 16 and she walked out not knowing really what she was walking into, we right. call her kidnapped. But a foster kid who goes missing in the same way is called a runaway. Runaway. It's wrong. It needs to stop. Yeah. They actually close these cases out for many of these kids uh, before they're ever found at the age of 18. And, you know, I actually I actually had an agency official once tell me these kids are a rounding error in the system. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and that's absolutely yeah. heartbreaking. And that's so contrary to what we believe as Christians, that everyone is unique, valuable, child of God. Who's, we always you know. say every... And you know what? In the foster system, the number who go missing might be a rounding error. Yeah. But every number has a name. Right. These kids, you know, as we write in this report that you can, again, you can find it at genjustice.org. The kids know that no one is looking for them. Yeah. They know that. And so can you even imagine, you know, these stories of the kids who are recovered, yeah. they'll always say, I know, I knew my parents were looking for me. Mm. And these kids also should know that love and that safety. Uh, what a great way to wrap this up. Darcy, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing. Genjustice.org, they can learn more. Thank you for coming into Counterculture and sharing this amazing and challenging uh, talk. I pre- thank you for giving voice to these kids, I appreciate Jonathan. you. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.